The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Good morning. Hey, this is great. Like, if you're online, you don't see this, but there's a lot of people in this room. No more than the government says we are allowed. That is true, but... um. I know it's weird sitting in clumps in these socially distanced, uh, like they count as rows, but not really rows, but it's just good to see some of you, some of you haven't seen for a while, so really glad that you're with us. Uh, just want you to know this, uh, I got this watch uh, for my anniversary, Marcy bought it for me, it's one of those like watches that tracks your movement and for running and things like that, and so I've had it for the last couple of Sundays, and uh, every time I preach, it thinks that I'm swimming. <laughs> Like, I'll get home, and it'll be like, how was the lap? And I was like, I'm a, I guess I do this or this. So I'm, I'm very animated. Just, just so you know, my watch told me that before you, you know, joke about it at lunch, okay? But I uh, just need you to know that. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but uh, it's, now you'll be watching me very intently. So, hey, grab your Bibles. I hope you brought them with you. If you did, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can open a phone or a tablet to 1 Corinthians 12. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Uh, We march through books of the Bible here at Fathom almost uh, entirely in our sermons. We don't do a lot of topical stuff, Uh, but but, uh, we are now, what week is this? 278? It's, it feels like it, we've been in this book all year. We're like at 30-something uh, in this series, and now we are uh, going to finish up chapter 12 today. As you're turning there, I want to start with some fun facts. Okay, uh, I, now I have a kindergartner, so this is my life. Fun facts, okay? This is where we live. Your eyes blink around 20 times a minute, and that's over 10 million times a year, which, I mean, that's great. That, that's a lot. Uh, The entire surface of your skin is replaced every month, which means you will have about a thousand different skins in your life. I like think snakes. That's that's what I'm thinking on that one. Okay. if you live to 70, if you live to 70, some of you will, some of you will not. Okay. but if you live to 70, your heart will have beat about two point five billion times. And I also read that the heart is the only muscle that never grows tired. So, I don't know. It does when you die, but whatever. I'm no doctor. Uh, Your body, this one will make you think, your body has enough iron in it to, if you could extrapolate all that, to create a nail that's three inches long. That's, like, I don't know how we're making it through metal detectors. Right, next time you fly, bring a three-inch nail in your pocket and see if you make it through, okay? The system is rigged, okay? It's rigged, okay? One in 20 persons has an extra rib. Did you know that? One in 20 persons have an extra rib. They are most often a man, which makes me think, God took one from Eve, we're taking it right back. That's, that's my theory. 59, there are 59,650 miles of blood vessels in each human body. That's crazy, okay? Um, Did you know that like fingerprints, every single person has a unique tongue print? Did you know that? Can you imagine if that's how we ID people? (laughs) All right, like that'd be, it's not COVID savvy, but you know. Did you know the acid in your stomach is strong enough to dissolve a razor blade? I do not encourage you to try that, okay? But like, that's gross. Um, 
The tooth, this one's awesome. The tooth is the only part of the human body that cannot repair itself. That's a thinker, right? (laughs) And finally, your nose, your sense of smell, your nose can remember 50,000 different scents. And it's a fact, women are better smellers than men are, uh, which is totally proved every Saturday when I mow the lawn sit down afterwards and I'm totally fine with myself and then Marcy gets close to me and she's like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, go to the shower. You stink, right? It's just proven, proven fact, okay? I say all this to say, like, our bodies are amazing. Like, our bodies are incredible and if you haven't figured out, we, we read the scripture, we're talking about bodies today but we're not talking about physical bodies, we're talking about metaphor. Paul uses the metaphor of the human body to talk about his church. Now, you may have heard this passage preached a hundred times if you've been in church your whole life, but I would just encourage you, with an open mind, let's dig into the text and see what God has for us as we talk about the body of Christ. So here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to pick it up in verse 12. Paul says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, Remember where we're at, okay? This is coming off of last week's context where we talked about spiritual gifts. We spent all of last week talking about spiritual gifts, and Paul ended his time talking about these uh, with, by, by saying that all spiritual gifts are empowered by, by the Spirit, by one and the same Holy Spirit, and he apportions out to each one individually as he wills. That's what we read at the end of last week. So here's what we extrapolated from that. If you're a Christian... You have a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift. They're all from God. They're all from the same spirit, and they are all under the divine sovereignty of God. And now he illustrates this. So he's talking about how gifted God's people are by the Holy Spirit. And now he says, it's kind of like a body. It's like a body, okay? He uses the illustration of a body. And so based on that metaphor, I want to give us three things that I think are in this text about the body of Christ. So the first is this. The members of the body are complex. The members of the body are complex. So there is one body, but there are many members, So there is unity within the body. There is one body. It's not that there are bodies of Christ. There is one body, one church, one unified entity, but that body is then made up of many members who are diverse and complex. I mean, look around for just a second. When else would you actually hang out with these people? I don't say that too lightheartedly, but like, I mean, frankly, I don't think I'm bumping into some of y'all in my normal world unless we're in the body of Christ. And this is where diversity converges for unity. That's what we see in the complexity of the body of Christ. He goes on, he keeps pushing this point. Look at verse 15. He says, if the foot should say, which I don't know how a foot talks, but if it's got a mouth, that's gross. But if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it 
any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So Paul's making his point about complexity here. That's what he's doing. He's reinforcing this. While there is one body, there are many complex members. And even in our church, this is true. Even in a small church here in Littleton, Colorado, this is true. We are complex. There are young and old in our midst. There are married and singles in our midst. There are wealthy and those just making it in our midst. We have white collar and blue collar. We have Democrats and Republicans. We'll all know where you stand based on your social media in the coming months, right? Some of you were raised in church, right? You've never missed a Sunday. Like you, 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 you came out of the womb, Jesus, right? Like that was your thing, right? Some of you, this is brand new. You're brand new to this thing. We've got homeschoolers. We've got public schoolers. I can't make jokes about homeschooling anymore because we started homeschooling this week. All right. So bring on the emails. You can email me. All right. Actually, Harper made me these pants. Not too shabby. Okay, the jokes are going to continue. All right, so let's be honest. But there's complexity here. Even here, okay? We have complexity in our tastes and in our abilities and our giftings and in our finances. All kinds of complexity, even in this small, small church. Now, back to the text. Paul is addressing what naturally can occur in something as complex as the church, which is this. Some members of the body can begin to become envious of others. It can just happen, right? Like, like some insecurity can set in and we can disdain other members of the body. Like we talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about spiritual gifts and like sometimes there's this seeming hierarchy of gifts. Like there are some varsity gifts that it's like super legit spiritual gifts. And then there's the JV squad that just couldn't cut it. Right? There's other gifts that fall into that category, which is nowhere in the scriptures. Paul would say every gift is a spiritual gift. And it's not like somebody has the gift of helping in administration. And it's like, oh, okay, right. Well, one day you might graduate to the gift of teaching or, or evangelism. No, that's not how it works. And that's what he says. He's like, if the foot is like, oh man, I'm not a hand. That, that's weird because you need your feet. You need your hands too, but the foot shouldn't be like, oh, I wish I were a hand because we need feet. In fact, the, feet, the foot, here's another fun fact, has like 52 bones in it. It's like a third of your bones are in your feet. Did you know that? That's crazy. Wikipedia, all right? Incredible. The crazy thing is that, um, that parts of the body would think lesser of themselves because they're not a certain other part. What Paul's making the point here is that every single part of the body is necessary. This is a complex thing that we exist in. Now, let's look at verse 18 uh, through 20. Paul is going to make another point here. Verse 18, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Here's my second observation this morning about the metaphor of the body of Christ. Uh, while the body is complex, okay, each member of the body is crucial. It's complex, no doubt, but each member is crucial. That's what he said in verse 18. In verse 18, notice this. He says, God arranged the members as he chose. What that means is that this isn't an accident. 
It's not accidental. You aren't you, the part that you are, accidentally. He chose this. He emphasized, he's emphasizing here that, that God made you and created you as you are. So if you're a foot, I don't know what that means, but like if you're a foot, okay, if that's the part that you are, he chose that. If you're a hand, which, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, let's take the metaphor to the nth degree. And it's like the hands are the helpers or the shakers or right, like nah, just, just the, the metaphor, let it sit on its own, okay? If you're a hand, God chose you to be that way. If you are an ear or an eye, those things are purposeful. God did that. And frankly, praise God for that because if all the members were the same, it wouldn't be a body. It'd be a pile of eyes. Right? It'd be a stack of legs. It's just, it gets gory real quick. So that's what he means uh, that when, he, when he says this is crucial. Like each part is crucial. Here's also what he means, okay? Not only are you crucial to the body, the body of Christ, but you are also crucial, a crucial part of this body. So if this is your home church, this is your local expression of the body, okay? Then you are crucial to the health of this body. God providentially brought you here with your gifts and talents to be used by him, for him, and for the building up of his church. It's not accidental. So listen to me. Are you a foot? Are you a foot? Anybody here in a foot? Feeling foot? You feel like a foot? Okay. Let me tell you this. We need you. We need one of those. How many feet do you need? As many as there are. Okay. I need a foot. If you're a foot, we need you. Are you an eye? We need one of those. Okay? Are you a hand? We need another hand. I need as many hands as we can get. Okay? You say, how do you know you need somebody like me? How do you know you need another foot? Here's how I know. Because you're here. I don't believe that God would bring you here to this weird little church on downtown Littleton with a wooden sign. I don't believe he would bring you to our fellowship if he didn't have a purpose for you in this body. God would not have done this. He doesn't make mistakes. You are crucial. And if you aren't a part of this body, you're a part of another church, listen to me, you should be there because you're crucial there. I've been, um, this week I'm thinking about this. I've been getting these headaches, um, like migraines, uh, and uh, I did what you're not supposed to do. I went on WebMD. Um, so I had myself dead in five minutes, right? Like in the ground, six feet under, gone. Uh, but I've been going, I went online, I looked at them up, and it said, uh, it said these migraines with these visual disturbances are called aura, like a migraine with aura. Uh, and so uh, I've had them for almost a decade, and I just you know, never got around to dealing with it until they've started to increase a little bit. And I was like, I probably should. Marcy's like, don't go on the web anymore. Like WebMD is not your friend. Why don't you go to a real doctor? So I went to a real doctor. He said, yeah, it's aura. It's a migraine with aura. And I was like, okay, so WebMD served me well. And he's like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I paying you for, okay? Uh, and then he's like, well, you know what? We should probably, it's pro like, it would have killed you. After 10 years, if it's been a tumor, like, it would have killed you. So like, we'll do an MRI just to make sure nothing is sketchy. That's what he said, to make sure nothing is sketchy. So I'm sitting in this doctor's office and I'm like, well, what do you mean by sketchy? He says, didn't you check WebMD? <laughs> I said, touche. Um, 
So I don't think I'm dying, but um, maybe, who knows? Uh, my heart is beating strong, just so you know, okay? But this is the way I've described what is happening to me. I get these headaches, and uh, my vision starts to blur a little bit. Like, it's, it's, there's these spots, and this like in, the, in my field of vision, uh, my vision just gets all weird, and I can't really see clearly. And the way I've described it is, like, if you stare at the sun, which, again, is ill-advised, but if you stare at the sun, and then you come back down, and you've got that weird blobby thing in your field of vision until it goes away. It's like that, but it just doesn't go away until the headache passes, okay? And so I'm, I'm getting an MRI this week uh, just to make sure it's not something sketchy, all right? But, um, but as this is happening, as, I, as these, these, these headaches happen, I, I can kind of see, all right? So like it happened, you wouldn't know it, but like three or four weeks ago at the nine o'clock service, I got one of these and I was like, uh, I, I couldn't really see. It's like hard to read the Bible when you can't see. Uh, I don't have this whole thing memorized. So, uh, so, but if I really work hard, I've kind of learned that if I, if I turn my head like this and kind of squint a little bit, I can almost like make it out. And, and, and I did it. During nine o'clock service, I was able to kind of do this and nobody was like, Dick, I can't see, you know? Um, and I, and I thought about this and read about this a little bit, but when you have some sort of trauma with an eye or something like that, like let's just say you've got one ghetto eye, um, the good eye, what are you laughing about, Kyle? The good eye will, will easy. The good eye uh, will often compensate with the, the bad eye to kind of help your vision adjust itself. Like it's a compensation so that you don't just have trashy vision because you got one bad eye. It actually kind of works together so that you can see. Like it's fascinating that your body will actually compensate for an injury like that. The same thing happens for people who um, are, are blind or are deaf, right? We've heard about this where their bodies kind of compensate, their, their senses uh, enhance, the other senses enhance because they are missing one of their five sense, senses. It's a compensation, right? Even people who have lost limbs right? Uh, they have sensations, like their brain tricks them into believing that their limb is still there. Like it's a very bizarre, I mean, it's amazing. Um, it's like our bodies can compensate for themselves when members are missing. It's like our body just can kind of like fake us out into thinking we're okay, but we're not okay. Even though your body might be able to trick you into thinking that you're better than you really are, the reality is if you don't have a leg, you don't have a, like, it's a loss. If you can't hear, that's a loss, no matter how awesome your other senses are, right? When my vision gets blurry because of these headaches, even if I can kind of do the, this thing, it's not, it's not the same as having sight. It's a compensation. I think this is how it is with the body of Christ, we might think we're doing fine without you. But it's a loss. You might think you're doing fine without us. But that's a loss. It's a compensation. Right? We'd be better with you in place, with every member acting out the role that they are meant to to form the body of Christ. And man, I don't want to just settle for squinty, turn my head vision. I want to see. And I want the same for our church. You were crucial. That's Paul's second point. Let's look at verses 21 through 24. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Uh, Okay, so Paul takes the argument to the other side. This is no longer one body part being envious of another body part. This is one body part who feels superior to another body part. That's what he brings up here. He's like, hey, if the, the hand thinks it can survive without an eye, it's crazy, right? If the head thinks it can survive without the feet, it can't. Just crawling around all over the place. Like that's not the way it's meant to be. And what happens often in churches is that there's this sense of superiority, that can breed in some self-sufficiency and very quickly, man, we think that other parts are maybe a little, little more dispensable. Just get rid of certain things. But again, Paul's point is, it's obvious, no part of the body is autonomous. No part of the body can exist on its own. And then he mentions, so this is weird, he, he talks about weaker or less honorable or unpresentable members. Did you read that? That was like weaker or less presentable, less honorable. What does he mean there? As I studied, most scholars think that he's referring to parts of the body that maybe we cover with clothes, okay, which is most of me these days, right? You get older, it's just like clothed up, right? But like maybe it's, maybe it's private areas, it's things like that. Also, some, some scholars think that uh, he, he's talking about internal organs, like internal parts of your body that you cannot see, that don't seem to be in the spotlight, but that are vital, right? Paul says the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Um, so a part of the body, of my body, I never really gave a lot of thought to uh, was my colon, yeah, um, I'm talking about colons from the pulpit. Welcome to Fathom, right? Okay, welcome to our church. Um, but I, frankly, I just never really thought about my colon. I don't know if you thought about your colon. You might consider it. I have never thought about my colon. I said colon 12 times in that first two sentences. I'd never thought about it until my mom was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. And then all of a sudden, an unpresentable part of my body seems to have a lot more weight in my life. And so I'm sitting with her and her oncologist at an appointment and her oncologist turns to me and he says, hey, Chris, you might want to consider getting a colonoscopy early. Like, don't wait till 40, maybe get one sooner rather than later. WebMD says that it's a really like, no, he didn't say that. But, but, but all of a sudden I'm sitting in his office and I'm like, oh no, I need to get a colonoscopy. Like I, I, all of a sudden this weaker, less honorable, less, this unpresentable part of me is now indispensable and I'm treating it with great honor. I'm walking into the hospital to get my colonoscopy thinking I want to have the best looking colon in the world, right? I had never thought those thoughts before. Not once. Paul is trying to reinforce that Every member of the body is complex and crucial. Even the parts you think aren't important, they are vastly important. He goes on, rest of verse uh, 24, the rest of that verse. He says, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. God loves the colons. Tweet that one out there, okay? Okay. 
giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So that's the third part of Paul's talk about the body. Yes, we are a complex bunch. Yes, each member is crucial, but finally, we are connected. We are connected. When one suffers, they all suffer. We know this to be true with our physical bodies, right? You ever hurt your back and realize that your entire life is over? I mean, legitimately, you're like, I can't breathe. My heart hurts and I can't stop thinking. Like my brain hurts. I can't stop thinking about this pain. Like one pain in your back is not isolated to your back. Your entire body suffers. It's crippling. And so it is with the body of Christ. We are connected. This is not a group of independent people. It is a group of interdependent people. We feel each other's pain. We feel each other's victories. We care for one another. We are connected. I've, I've heard it explained like this. this. This illustration is very common, but when my brain receives a message from my left elbow that it's itchy, my brain doesn't send down like magic brain juice to fix that. That would be excellent, right? You ever hold something and you're like, I got an itch. Wouldn't it be awesome if your brain would just be like, eh, and fix it? That's the noise that in my brain, my brain makes. So um, that'd be awesome. That's not how God chose the body to function. What happens is left elbow is like, I got an itch. The brain's like, hey, right hand, your brother left elbow is really itchy. Why don't you go take care of that? And we scratch ourselves. Now that happens like that, right? And it's crazy, but in the same way, in the same way, in the body of Christ, when you pray for something, when you need something, when you are suffering, when you are like at, at, at your very like lowest place and you beg God for mercy, God usually doesn't just zap power straight down from heaven and fix it. He might, there might be a miraculous moment, but please, somebody share with me that that's the norm in their life. Anybody feel like every prayer, they're like, wow, the spirit just spoke to me audibly. It never happens like that. More often than not, God decides to encourage a member of the body to do the work through their spiritual gifts. It's what we talked about last week. It's working with dad. This is how God has chosen to help and build up his body is through the members of his body. So I know a lot of people today who think you can be a Christian and not be connected to a church. You might know a lot of people like that. And I, I'm sure I can offend some online, wherever, but that's simply not the way the Bible talks about the church. I mean, I love the thought that it's like just you and Jesus up in the woods by yourself doing Jesus stuff and like you're just being a Christian. And maybe that's okay for like a quick season, but, but the reality is the Bible talks about the church as an entity that is, that is interdependent, that's reliant on one another. It's never a lone ranger, it's always us. And I don't mean that, that connecting to a church just means coming to a service. 
like showing up on a Sunday once a month or whenever. I mean, being connected. Like, it, and it sounds bold to say this, and I'll just say it, and you can send me emails if you disagree, but if you want God to work in your life, you have to be connected to the body. See, sitting on the sidelines of the church, like even if you go to the best church in the world, you listen to the best sermons in the world, which you are certainly not, okay? But like even if that were the case, you're experiencing a small fraction of what God wants for you. You need to be connected. Let's finish this chapter off. Look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God is apportioned in the church First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So, so Paul ends this chapter, ends this section with another list of spiritual gifts, another list. Uh, we talked about this last week, that there are six places in the New Testament where we find lists of spiritual gifts. We saw one last week. We saw the second one right here. I will not go into each individual gift like I did last week, okay? Uh, but note that these are different gifts than the last week's list. So uh, that's just Paul reemphasizing that, that, listen, this is complex. Not all of us possess the same gifts, Right? This thing, this body is complex. And he's asking these rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Do all work miracles? Do all speak with tongues? Obviously, the answer to that is no. And then Paul throws this weird little curveball where he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Like, what does that mean? Well, well, frankly, books upon books have been written about just that little phrase. So let me give you what I think is, there's a, there's a wide variety of options on this one. I'll tell you what I think. So, okay, Bible there, Chris over here, away from the Bible. Here's what I think this means, okay? I think when Paul says desire the higher gifts or the greater gifts, I think he is trying to redefine higher and greater for the Corinthians, if you remember, this is why we study whole books, okay? If you remember, the whole problem in Corinth is pride. They want to boast in their wisdom, in their leaders. They want to boast in their giftedness, in their abilities. They want to boast in themselves, and they are neglecting the wisdom of the gospel. And so when Paul says desire the higher gifts, I think it's a little bit of a jab because very likely the Corinthians think that tongues and prophecies and healings and teaching, exhortation, that these are the higher gifts that are awesome and the other gifts are not quite as cool. And, and Paul, I love that he says apostles and prophets and teachers. And then he goes a little bit further and we just read it, helping, administrating, like things that might not fall into that awesome category. What I think Paul is saying is, hey, listen, all of the gifts are higher gifts if they build up and edify the body. If you're trying to build your own platform with your awesomeness, that is not a higher gift. That's not a greater gift. The gifts that build up the body are the greater gifts. 
regardless of how awesome you think those gifts might be. So, what do we do with all that? Because you've, I mean, let's be honest. If you've been in church for a minute, you've heard a body of Christ sermon. You've probably heard this text, or at least this text alluded to. So what do we do with this? I, I know it shouldn't need to be said, but here's, here's, here's the take home, okay? You are a part of the body. If you're a Christian, you are a part of the body. And you need to be a part of the body. You are a part of the body, and you need to be a part of the body. I, uh, it, you are a part of the body, okay? There are some things that I cannot shed. I cannot shed that I am a part of the Martin family. Even if I run from them, even if I disown them, I are a Martin, right? I'm a part of that body. Homeschool, okay? Uh, I'm a part of that body. Save the emails, okay? I am a part of that family, but there are ways that I can either lift up our family's name and encourage and bless and serve our family, and there are ways that I can remove myself and not be a part of, the body, of my family the way that I want to. So it is with the church. You are a part of the, the body. If you're born again, you are born into the body. No matter what, you've got a gift to be, to be used. But many, many Christians, even though they are a part of the body, they don't play an active part in the body, and you need to be a part of it. So when I went to prom in high school, uh, I went with this gal who, um, she was just in a higher tax bracket than me. Just like, they're doing fine, okay? They lived in a nice big house. They were doing great. She wanted to go uh, to a, this, this place for dinner. I mean, just a bougie, swanky. I mean, it was just like over-the-top nice, like ritzy, okay? And I've told you, I, I, don't com- like, I don't come from that world, like, we're flea market people. Like, that's part of, like, we come from the, like, we weren't five-star restaurant kind of people. We were country town buffet type people and, like, bringing a doggy bag, right, to a buffet. That's against the rules, but we would do that. Like, that was, that was kind of my kind of people. Um, and so prom at this restaurant was, like, a new experience for me. And so when, when we sat down at this restaurant, me and this prom date, we sat down at the restaurant. The guy who sat us down, he took my napkin off my plate, flipped it out like all fancy, and then laid it in my lap, to which I almost ninja chopped him, right? <laughs> because not a lot of people laying things in my lap, right? I'm not used to people getting that close to this region, okay? So, um, so there is a level of service that I do not require, Napkin in my lap is part of that, okay? And the, the, you know, the dinner went on. Every time I took a drink from my glass, there was like a person who came over and filled it. Every sip, ever. There was like a fleet of people watching our table, and anytime we needed any little thing, they, their job was to attend to us. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And I think that in modern evangelical America, a lot of Christians think of the church like a nice restaurant. It's like, hey, we come here and we sit and it's like, you take care of me. You take care of me and you put that napkin in my lap and and you bring me what I want when I want it. And when things start to get a little slow or a little boring or, or you ask something that's sacrificial of me, well, there are plenty of other restaurants that I could choose from and you don't want to lose my business now, do you? 
Now, that would never be any of us, right? Problem is, many American Christians believe that the church was built to serve them. And in some ways it is, but really, you were built to serve the church. So the less you see church in the mindset of me, like I want this and I need this and I want and I want and I want and I want. And instead you start viewing the body as a place where you belong and you, you trust and you and your family and you are here and you're going to serve in any way possible and you're just going to put everything into make this place stronger and better and fuller with the presence of Christ so that we can put a witness on to the community and that the glory of God would be made known in Littleton and beyond. That's when the church becomes a body. We've said it. Church is not a building you walk in. It's a people you walk with. It's not something you consume like a product. It's a, it's a people that you belong to. And until you belong to a church, until then, it's, listen, it's just goofy. There's just better things to do with your Sundays. I mean, it's Colorado, y'all. It's epic. You can't do anything now except for be outside, but like there are normally concerts and there's normally camping and there's normally bike riding and skiing and snowboarding and camping. And this is not a good hobby. Like Sundays at church is not a great hobby. Why would you choose this over anything else unless you really belong here, unless you really believe this? So let me close this up like this. I don't know what God has for you today. Maybe you've heard this all before. Maybe this is in one ear out the other, but, but, but let me add, add a couple of applications here. Maybe you don't know what you're gifted at. Like the last two weeks have just been confusing because maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are and you need help. This is complex. We are complex. Maybe you feel like a square peg in a round hole when you come to church. Let's find a square peg, a square hole for you. Let's find a place for you to fit. If you want to reach out to me, or you can go on, onto our website, fathomchurch.org slash serve, we have a link to a uh, spiritual gifts assessment, which I made fun of last week. But listen, they can be helpful. I would love for you to take, it's free, it's 100 questions, and it will help you uh, determine maybe what your spiritual gift is. But better, talk to me with that. Like, reach out to me. Let's figure out where you're gifted and get you plugged in if you so desire. Maybe, that's one thing, maybe you know what you're gifted for, but you haven't jumped in. Maybe you've just kind of been attending and you're ready to jump in, to connect. Then I would say, go to the same website and reach out and we will serve. Go to fathomchurch.org slash serve to sign up. Um, and goodness, with COVID, we have a lot of different ways to serve that you can uh, sign up for. So please uh, check that out. Uh, maybe some of you need to repent. Maybe some need to repent for believing that you aren't crucial to the body. Or maybe you need to repent for believing that somebody else isn't as crucial. I don't know. Maybe you just need to get connected. You can go and join a group. I mean, we have, there's so, like, the, the point of this is the church is a body. Every member is complex, crucial, and needs to be connected. So, so let's do it. Let's, let's do it together. And instead of seeing things all kind of crusty and weird, maybe we'll see clearly. Maybe we'll function the way we're supposed to function and maybe God will be glorified to Littleton and beyond. The church is not a building you walk in. It's a people you walk with. Let's walk together. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for uh, a text that uh, is very um, sometimes ordinary. Something that we, if we've been in church for a while, we, we might know, we might pay lip service to, it might go in one ear and out the other. It might be something so familiar to us that it's lost its luster a bit. But I pray, Father, that for us, we would we would be reminded today of the great work that you do through your body. That it is complex, that it is crucial, that it is connected, and that these things are how you have determined to make yourself known to all the earth. Lord, build up our body. Use the members of our body for the good of the body. Spirit, move, convict, encourage build up, tear down, do your good work in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit.